Hello and welcome to episode 64 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. But if you're not, allow me to introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So why not follow me over on Twitter at Sir DRJM? And of course, reach out to me over there if you have questions, comments, topics, anything you'd like me to bring to the show, and I will happily do so. Now, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So why not give us a follow, leave us a review, leave us a rating on all those services, tell your friends, all that jazz, share the good word of One Man Watchpoint. And of course, if you do leave a review, I will happily read that on our next episode, positive, negative, whatever you've got for me. Now, if you can't get enough of the sound of my voice and you'd like to hear more, given this is a bi-weekly or bi-weekly, every other week, whatever you want to call it, uh, we have an episode every two weeks, so two episodes a month. Um, If you can't get enough of my voice, check out the podcast Ready, Set, Pwn, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, where our host Chris talks with Omni and myself every opposite week of One Man Watchpoint to discuss everything going on in the Overwatch League, but focus primarily on the Vancouver Titans and, of course, the Toronto Defiant. If you are a Canadian listener and fan of the Overwatch League, I highly encourage you to check us out over there. And, of course, you can find Ready, Set, Pwn on podcast services everywhere as well. Now, on today's episode, we've actually got arguably the largest news story in gaming history, not just Overwatch uh, or Overwatch League history, but gaming history of all time. This, of course, is news from last week, as we did not have an episode last week. So, I'm sure you've heard it talk to death, but in case you'd like to talk about it just a little bit more, let's dive on in. Ooh, that's cold. Okay, that is cold. Okay, so I've teased it at the top of the show. We're, of course, going to talk about Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard in a $68 billion deal. Uh, However, we're not actually going to start there. We're going to start off with a little bit of, uh, I don't know, game updates, a little bit of a little bit of other news. And then, of course, we'll move into that story. And, of course, we'll end the show by going through the latest moves and changes in the Overwatch League. So let's jump on in and we're going to start things off over on the Play Overwatch website. That's, of course, playoverwatch.com. Because the Lunar New Year event, Overwatch's Year of the Tiger, has kicked off uh, actually as of the day of this recording. So you will no doubt be already playing uh, the Lunar New Year event. It is going to run from January 25th through February 15th. Celebrate the Year of the Tiger. So we will see the Bounty Hunter game mode, the Capture the Flag Blitz, and Capture the Flag regular game modes returning um, with uh, some, looks like, competitive Capture the Flag as well. And of course, we've got a Play to Earn weekly challenge. So week one, you have the chance to play nine games, get the Skullcap player icon, play 18 games, get the Spring Couplet Spray, and play 27 and get the Prosperity Ashes Epic Skin. Now, uh, of course, these when it says play, these are the, I believe these are the, yes, wins count as two games. So ultimately, at most, if you win all of your games, you'll have to play 14 games. If you lose every single one, you'll have to play 27 games in order to get this uh, Prosperity Ash Epic Skin. It's a pretty nice-looking epic skin. Uh, got a nice burgundy and gold, or red and gold, with uh, black there for Ash and Bob. I definitely don't mind it too much. And then week two, February 1st through February 8th, 
we see play nine games get the auspicious player icon play 18 games get practicing forms spray and play 27 get the auspicious soldier Se soldier 76 epic skin uh, i actually quite like this one it's got that uh, really nice kind of deep blue with a sort of uh, navy highlights and then of course we've got the gold and red uh, as is tradition uh, and a maskless soldier 76 for this one here Finally, week three, we look at February 8th through February 15th, the final week of the event. Play nine games, we get the T player icon. Play 18 games, you get porcelain spray. And play 27, you get porcelain wrecking ball epic skin. I actually do think, in this case, this is probably the nicest skin of the bunch. Um, I actually, I'll be honest... In a lot of these limited time uh, special events, whatever you want to call them, the play to earn skins, I frequently find either I dig skins one and three, or I dig, you know, two, or honestly, in some, I've thought the first skin is the best one. And I always kind of thought that was a little bit strange where you would think they would want to backload the skins. So have kind of the, I don't know, most plain one at the start, and then the uh, sort of coolest or the one that most people think is the the neatest as the final skin i do actually think that's the order they're going in this time i definitely like the design they've got on this wrecking ball skin uh it has the ball looking kind of like a you know porcelain uh, uh jar or or urn of some sort uh with a really nice white and uh really nice blue kind of flowery pattern on it so i dig it um of course this will also mean that other lunar new year skins um are available and if we take a look here at the previous ones, uh, sorry, we actually have a couple new ones, of course. I'll just open these guys up so we can take a quick peek. We've got the Nezha Tracer skin and the Siolbim, I hope I'm pronouncing that correct, Mercy skin. Uh, both of these are actually pretty great. Um, frequently, I'm not a big fan of Tracer skins, but I actually really like this one, uh, especially the shoes. I saw a meme on Twitter where they're, they're looking like Heelys and I, I kind of chuckled at that, but I really like this one. I like what they've done with Tracer uh, and her hair for this one. And then the Mercy skin is actually really cool too. They changed the color of the wings and kind of the overall color scheme of the dress and everything. And I really dig this one. So overall, we're only getting those two epic, uh, epic, sorry, legendary skins in addition to the epic skins for the weekly challenges, which is a little odd in past years and, and past events, of course. There are many, many more legendary skins. Usually I think we get at least four or five. And then we usually get a couple other epic skins outside of uh, the play to earn ones. And, and we're not getting that, which is too bad to see. Uh, definitely, you know, a, uh, hopefully indica indicative of shifting priorities when it comes to the Overwatch team. But I digress. Who knows what's around the corner? Now, as I was going to mention, of course, we have the return of the previous Lunar New Year skins up for grabs. Um, and of course, the most recent ones will be on sale now for 1,000 uh, tokens rather than the 3,000 that the newest ones, newest legendary ones, will be available for purchase for. So we've got Bull Demon, Dra uh, Bull Demon Orisa, Dragonfire Bastion. Uh, I'm just looking out, looking to pick out some favorites here. Tiger Huntress Ash was one from last year, which is pretty sick if I do say so myself. Um, Doomfist's Monk Skin. Uh, Reinhardt has a couple of skins that are actually pretty sick for the Lunar New Year. The, there's the Guan Yu uh, as well as the Wu Jing, which I think both of those are actually pretty damn awesome. Uh, Hanzo, I believe, has, if not a couple, he definitely has one that's really nice. The Huangzong skin is pretty sick. Uh, Lu Bu for Reaper is awesome. 
actually, you know what? The Lunar New Year event is a pretty good one for skins. Baihu for Genji is awesome. Uh, Quinlong is a really good Pharaoh one. Zan Wu uh, is a Zarya skin, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, Baji, I, hopefully I'm pronouncing all of these correctly. If I'm not, I really apologize for my, my slaughtering of the pronunciation. Um, but the Baji or Baje, I'm not sure. Roadhog skin is really good. Uh, that's, of course, a pretty classic one with Roadhog getting the pig face on that one. Um, and yeah, uh, one of, actually one of the first skins I remember getting as a random drop is the uh, Tal Ana skin, which I'm a big fan of as well. So uh, get in there, get your wins. Look for look for those matches. Play to earn, as as they say. So there you have it. Now, of course, in the next, uh, I guess, next week at next week's episode, if there was one, we would mention week two uh, being ongoing for the Lunar New Year event. Of course, we will not have an episode next week. So look forward to the week after that, where we'll mention to catch get your final wins in for that final week's uh, matches, I guess. Moving on from there, we're going to jump over to Dexerto.com with an article by Lauren Bergen, which reads, published today, January 25th, streamer Fran completely quits Twitch and Overwatch amid NFT backlash. Now, I do want to mention, this isn't usually one, or, or this isn't typically something that I would talk about on the show, uh, but given the focus of this show in the past and sort of um, now, obviously, my my own leanings in the league towards uh, supporting teams. Um, given all of that, uh, I do want to talk about this one because this is obviously uh, has a large, well, semi-large impact on the Toronto Defiant as Fran was currently has uh, some sort of partnership deal with the Toronto Defiant and uh, has been working closely with them since I believe last season was the first season. Um, and even, you know, to an extent, I think January 21st I saw, um, the team put out some promotional stuff with her. Uh, I think she came to visit Toronto for the first time. So they made kind of a big deal out of that. And, uh, and yeah, so anyways, this is relevant to the Toronto Defiant. So here we go. Let's dive in. Overwatch Twitch streamer and Toronto Defiant member Francine Franvo has announced that she will no longer be streaming or playing the game she has become best known for. Her decisions follow some backlash over NFTs. In the wake of a tweet claiming that the number one NFT in trade is in fact produced by the Overwatch team, in response to criticism from Overwatch fans about her own adoption of NFTs, Fran received backlash from some of the game's fanbase. Referring to the incident as a, quote, dumpster fire, she has gone on to apologize for the tweet and her responses in a lengthy January 24th tweet longer. In the post, Fran said she will no longer be streaming or playing Overwatch, even when the highly anticipated sequel Overwatch 2 is finally released. Discussing the difficulties she's experienced while streaming, she confesses that, quote, streaming for me was not as easy as it may have looked. Quote, I was harassed almost every single day since my Fran plays Halo days, whether it be a creepy comment to full-on non-consensual pictures in my DMs. I was completely scrutinized for the way I looked, and it caused massive insecurities and low self-esteem in myself. The extreme loneliness and unhealthy habits I've developed from streaming caused an abundance of harm. And don't get me started on the bullying. My entire self-worth was dependent on likes and numbers. I wish to never have to experience that again, end quote. She continues, quote, I mentioned before on stream that I was moving back home to take care of my parents, particularly my father, who has had a stroke and subsequent seizures, and I did slash am doing that. In the last few months, I've been much happier and repaired my relationship with my family, who I had abandoned the last five years to, quote, go play video games for a living. Answering the question, quote, will I ever play Overwatch again? 
Probably not, and Overwatch 2 won't change my mind. Will I ever stream again? Probably not. She concludes, I would like to close this chapter on my life and move on. Fran leaves a legacy of Overwatch content behind her and has etched herself into the game's history, but at least for the time being, we may not see her in the public eye again. Now, without getting into the NFT stuff uh, and speaking strictly at, to Fran as a person, um, I would just like to say that we would all, of course, wish her the best, as we would wish anyone who is dropping out from the scene the best, um, and hopefully she can uh, find peace doing what she uh, truly enjoys, as it sounds like uh, streaming and, and the Overwatch community had uh, kind of lost lost its appeal to her. Uh, so all the best to Fran. Hopefully she can, like I say, find some peace and enjoy her life going forward. Who knows if we will see her back in the scene or back streaming or not. As for what the Toronto, what this means for the Toronto Defiant, I truly do not know, but uh, we'll see what happens there. I would assume she had some form of contract with uh, with Toronto Defiant, but also knowing uh, at least the public image that Overactive Media has put forth, I hope that uh, they have come to some form of conclusion with her, um, and uh, you know both parties are ending things pretty mutually. So that's all we'll say on that, uh, and we will move on to as I teased, the largest story in gaming history that I believe has ever happened. Now we're going to go to dotesports.com with an article by Matsuz Mitter. Mitter? Miter. Might be Miter. Uh, January 18th. So this was last week, of course, this news broke, and I'm sure you've heard it over and over and over from every podcast you listen to and every personality on the internet. Um, this article is relatively short, so I'm just going to give it a quick read, and then I'll talk a little bit more about it specifically, and uh, it'll actually tie into another article. So January 18th, Microsoft acquires Activision Blizzard in $68 billion deal. Microsoft is set to acquire gaming industry giant Activision Blizzard. Activision Blizzard is one of the most renowned game developers and publishers in the industry responsible for franchises, including Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, Overwatch, Diablo, and StarCraft. Microsoft is set to pay an eye-watering $68.7 billion for the acquisition of the company. Microsoft will acquire Activision Blizzard for $95 per share in an all-cash transaction valued at $68.7 billion, inclusive of Activision Blizzard's net cash, Microsoft said in a press release today. With the acquisition, Microsoft will become the third biggest company in the world in terms of revenue behind Tencent, a Chinese multinational technology and entertainment conglomerate, and Sony, a Japanese tech giant. Phil Spencer, CEO of Microsoft Gaming, didn't hide his enthusiasm about the transaction underlining the importance of Activision Blizzard. Quote, Players everywhere love Activision Blizzard games, he said. Together we will build a future where, we can, where people can play the games they want virtually anywhere they want. This news comes after reports indicating Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick had been hiding information and workplace misconduct. The company has been at the center of controversy controversy, due to reports of sexual harassment and other misconduct that's reportedly taken place over the last decade. Despite this, Kotick will remain in the position of Activision Blizzard's CEO, according to Microsoft. He and his team will maintain their focus on driving efforts to further strengthen the company's culture and accelerate business growth, Microsoft said. The Activision Blizzard business will, quote, report to Phil Spencer, however. So that was obviously a, a relatively early on uh reporting on the story that um that was announced we've of course heard many 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 more things um about this uh one of which i will highlight here and that's they talk about uh bobby kotick staying on board with activision it has since come out that he will um i believe the direct or not the direct quote but the quote is something along the lines of 
he will stay involved in some in, in whatever capacity they they need him in or something like that um which very heavily and through other interviews that have gone on with Phil Spencer with Bobby Kotick um and things like that it's it very much seems like once the deal goes through and once everything is closed Bobby Kotick will be stepping away um and Activision Blizzard will either they'll have someone step in into his shoes that person will report to Phil Spencer or uh, Phil Spencer will just sort of uh, take over his duties of uh, or as CEO of Activision Blizzard as well. Obviously, that wouldn't be his title. He is CEO of Microsoft Gaming. But you get what I'm saying because they will be under uh, Microsoft and Microsoft Gaming. So there's a lot going on there. Obviously, like I say, this is huge, 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 huge news. Um, there's all sorts of conversations happening right now about... Uh, um, exclusivity in terms of call of duty in terms of world of warcraft overwatch diablo starcraft other blizzard properties but as well as uh, other activision properties so this is very wide reaching and this obviously has much larger implications than strictly um the blizzard side of the games that of course on this uh on this podcast we typically focus on so i'm not going to really get into all of that i'm not going to get into pay models that uh, microsoft may be doing or some of the great moves microsoft may be doing although I did want to highlight that in a previous episode, I had talked about um, the Overwatch 2 team potentially needing a very strong project manager to come in and really take the reins and figure out what is going on with Overwatch 2. Now, at the time, I had suggested Joseph Staten, who kind of seemingly stepped in and made a huge impact on Halo Infinite. Um, so I do think that it's a little bit interesting that, oh, turns out it's not going to be Joseph Staten, it's going to be Microsoft as a whole that comes in, swoops in, and kind of potentially hopefully, saves the day when it comes to all of the atrocious stuff that's been going on at Activision Blizzard, which, of course, has been happening for a long time. Um, and obviously, Microsoft is not shy of either, um, as, you know, typically is typical of these multi-billion dollar mega corporations. So regardless, seems like Microsoft has a better public image at this moment than Activision Blizzard, and I think we're all hopeful that they will be able to make some significant change. So, all of that said, again, I don't want to go too much into a lot of that stuff because I'm going to actually pull up another article here. This one, uh, sticking with .esports.com, sticking with January 18th, however, a few hours after that was that first article was reported. And this one is by Liz Richardson and Tanner Wooten. And it reads, What Microsoft Buying Activision Blizzard Means for Overwatch League, Call of Duty League. At $68.7 billion takeover could have huge ramifications for Blizzard's esports leagues. So let's get in there. Electronics. Hang on one sec. Sorry about that. Had to clear my throat there. Electronics giant Microsoft announced today that it would be acquiring Activision Blizzard for a $68.7 billion cash deal, bringing games like Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, and Overwatch under the same proverbial roof as Halo and other Xbox Legacy titles. This acquisition means changes in the air for many of Activision Blizzard's most popular games, not to mention possible additions to the wildly popular Xbox Game Pass. Fans of Blizzard's biggest esports leagues, however, are looking down the pipe, uh, down the pipeline and asking what this will mean for them. The Call of Duty League and Overwatch League have both had a few rough years thanks to COVID-19 cancellations and various Activision Blizzard missteps, but how will this acquisition change the future for these leagues? More money, fewer problems? With Microsoft buying Activision stock at $95 a share in cash, that's a boost in available funds no matter what way you look at it. Some of that windfall might make its way to the esports leagues, bracket, after the Halo Championship Series takes its share, end bracket, and fans could see immediate improvements. 
More money could mean better production quality, better equipment, higher quality broadcasts. Both leagues lost significant income due to COVID-19, thanks to the widespread cancellation of live events, and Microsoft's investment could give a boost to the league's bottom lines. The 2022 Call of Duty League season is scheduled to have live events in Dallas, Minnesota, Toronto, and New York for the season's four majors, while the destination for the CDL playoffs remains unannounced. This leaves eight organizations within the league that will not host a live event this year, with some teams who have yet to host a single home series since the inception of the league. While this can be chalked up to the difficulty of hosting events amid the COVID-19 pandemic, live events are a staple in esports and something the COD scene desperately needs more of to get back to its peak. With the huge success of HCS so far, that is, of course, uh, the Halo Championship series, it could be an incentive for Microsoft to invest even more into, e into the, its esports ecosystems with the CDL and Overwatch League coming on board. Sponsorship overhauls. In the wake of multiple lawsuits levied at Activision Blizzard due to frat boy culture and allegations of misconduct in July 2021, multiple big-name sponsors pulled their logos from OWL and CDL broadcasts. State Farm and Coca-Cola assessed their relationships with the OWL. Kellogg's severed ties immediately. Astro Gaming also disappeared from the CDL sponsor list. With Microsoft overseeing the culture of Activision Blizzard during the transition, sponsors may be willing to return to the leagues and expand within Microsoft's domain. Beyond that, both leagues will likely operate as free advertisement for Microsoft's holdings like Xbox and Game Pass, filling in notable gaps for the loss of sponsors created. Game stability. Now, actually, I'm going to take a quick break there and talk about those first two points that, uh, that Liz and I believe it was Tanner, right? Yes, and Tanner talked about. So first things first, more money, fewer problems. Obviously, more money being injected into the league is always, in, in theory, is always going to improve the quality and, and, and everything like that. Um, obviously, they point out a lot of things about, you know, the technical side of things and having more money there. Um, one thing they didn't really talk about is the fact that, like, Microsoft is obviously a major uh, manufacturer of everything in the world of tech. Um so you definitely could see a significant shift in the simply the hardware they're using for a lot of these things. Um, so yeah, they say better tech and things like that, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if suddenly on the desk everyone has a uh, Microsoft Surface or something like that. Um, obviously, through Microsoft's um, Azure technologies as well, there's potential for increases and boosts when it comes to things like uh, streaming, um, streaming services, and all manner of... Uh, of cloud-based services, if you will. Now, the other side of having more money in the league is obviously they could really sort of blow the roof off things and really make the CDL and the uh, Overwatch League sort of the, the I don't know, main stage events that I think they were always meant to be. And, you know, maybe they were in the beginning of these leagues, maybe sort of in the first seasons of these leagues where they were kind of trying to find their footing, um, which, you know, I wasn't a fan back then, but from what I've heard, they tried to treat things a lot more like, you know, NFL style, and it didn't quite jive with the audience, so maybe that's not necessarily what they want to do, but I do think that Microsoft has uh, maybe a little bit more of a, their finger is maybe a little bit more on the pulse of gamers and what they want, um, and especially given the success of the HCS, as, as they mentioned there, um, hopefully they're taking notes, and they're kind of looking at what they could do. Now, of course, there's also the fact that we have, at least in terms of the Overwatch League, Overwatch 2 coming. Um, we obviously know the next season of the Overwatch League is going to be played on some form of a pre-production build. Um, I don't want to say beta, I don't want to say alpha build, but some form of a pre-production build of Overwatch 2. So this is kind of a great reset point for the League overall. 
with Microsoft coming in. Now, the, the big thing I, sh I should mention is that this deal is not actually expected to close until midway through uh, 2023. So that'd be next year, of course. So I'm curious, you, you know, you kind of have to assume that this is such a big deal. This is on such a, uh, a large scale that down in the in the weeds of sort of running maybe president of blizzard i believe mike yabara is the president maybe he would have known something like this was happening but i don't think if you come down to the league level or even say the john specter level of the overwatch league or overwatch as a game in itself i don't necessarily suspect people at that level would have known any of this was going on so you have to kind of assume the next season of the Overwatch League will sort of be business as usual. Now, this season, as I say, being played on pre-production build, is also kind of a kind of an intermediary season. Whereas I think they would have loved this to be sort of the big kickoff, the big launch of Overwatch 2. We obviously know we're not getting that. So I think this season could kind of be an intermediary. And then maybe we see the 2023 season really be the one where, okay, the deal's getting close to closing. Hopefully there's actually some input from Microsoft on things um, and they're able to really kind of make it their own and really sort of change the attitude around the Overwatch League and make it that tier one esport that I think everyone that's a fan of the Overwatch League really wants it to be. Whereas right now I'd say the only the only truly tier one esport that we have is probably League of Legends. Um, I don't know. I, I always see these tier kind of breakdowns and I think you frequently see a few others up there with them, um, but I think League of Legends is probably the only one that has really truly broken through and has as huge a following as as they do. So anyways, um, I digress. We're getting off track there. But the other thing, obviously, they talk about is the sponsorship overhauls, and that's actually something I had not considered, but is a great point, um, especially that last sentence there. The leagues will both will likely operate as free advertisement for Microsoft's holdings like X, like Xbox and Game Pass. Not only that, Let's think beyond gaming. This is a great advertising opportunity for Microsoft themselves. Like I just said, talking on the, the hardware or the Azure services, um, stick, a, stick a commercial, stick a logo, stick a, uh, um, a banner or something uh, that says, you know, buy a Surface Pro uh, or, you know, uh, buy the Microsoft Office suite or use, use, I don't know, Microsoft Teams. Like there's all these different, products that microsoft owns operates manages and and you know is is obviously um a huge player in uh that they could easily 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 you know pimp out from here so there's obviously that beyond that microsoft obviously as the tech giant they are has connections to many many other companies and i'm sure that this purchase um given the size of it uh will obviously draw attention from other sponsors and uh and I think we'll we'll see some pretty massive change from that. Now let's dive back into the article. So this next section is titled Game Stability. The current state of the Call of Duty franchise has been well documented. Many fans remain disappointed in the sheer number of game-breaking bugs within Warzone and Vanguard. While content, sorry, not content, while content for both games has been lackluster. Compounding these issues, many of the bugs and glitches remained for multiple weeks. If Microsoft is able to get the game to be playable on both console and PC with no game-breaking bugs or glitches, it would be a larger, large improvement over its current state. The competitive community finds itself patiently waiting for, com for competitive support with Vanguard launching without a ranked playlist. After last year's disappointing league play, fans were hoping for an ELO-based ranking system, but there's been radio silence on the issue. Additionally, the CDL has no third game mode as control remains a mess. 
With Halo Infinite's successful launch and dedication to the competitive player base showing Microsoft's commitment to comp competition, Call of Duty could see an investment in the competitive scene it has not had in years. A ranked system launching with the game like Halo Infinite would be a step in the right direction. Before I move on, I'm, I'm going to actually break these out into each section and talk about each one a little bit. Um, obviously, game stability is kind of an interesting one. This, to me, in a lot of ways, says that I think the game studios, I'm, and I'm obviously I'm doing a ton of reading between the lines and sort of speculating on my own part, I feel like the lack of support that Call of Duty specifically and Warzone, um, Call of Duty Vanguard and Warzone have been seeing, I really, really, really wonder how much of that was direction from above. Um, you know, I, I, I have to question, given how bad these communities have been, how bad shape that these games have been in for a little while now, I have to question what was the studio in charge? And I don't remember which studio put out Vanguard um, or which is currently working on Warzone the most, but I digress. I, I I am assuming, or again, sorry, I'm repeating myself. Reading between the lines, I'm thinking there was some direction given to the leadership at that studio that said, don't focus on these things right now. We don't need you to be uh, spending, you know, millions and millions of dollars trying to fix these issues trying to invent this new game mode trying to um implement whatever systems the the community is shouting for um we want you to kind of maintain the status quo do the basic bug fixes but not really change the landscape kind of thing um and i i get that feeling because of how bad how poor a state the game has been in um and it just really makes me wonder if somebody had i don't know if they would have shared all the details about the deal the the activision blizzard deal um but i think the studio was given some direction on this to not do a deep dive into the problems the game is having and i wonder if the game is kind of going to be stagnant uh for a while now as this deal goes through because obviously activision blizzard um you know now they've now that this has been announced they kind of have this relationship with microsoft where it's kind of like they can't really make significant changes um, that could affect the company or the overall share prices that much uh, because, you know, I assume there's a, a backout clause for Microsoft, probably for Activision as well, but they probably want to maintain status quo as much as possible so that this deal goes through and can close. But again, it's going to take a year, year and a half to go through. So anyways, um, I almost wonder if Vanguard and the current state of Warzone will be very similar to what I was just talking about with the this upcoming season of the Overwatch League. This is kind of the in-between. This is kind of the transition period. Um, obviously, Call of Duty is an annualized franchise, so we know there will be a season coming out, um, or not a season, sorry, another entry coming out next year. I'm sure the wheels are already in motion on that entry. Um, and it very much could be a case of Activision shifted its, uh, its money into that studio, um, as that will be the last one that sort of is mostly under the Activision banner, obviously uh, the Activision pre-Microsoft banner. Now, obviously the the following year after that, 2024, um, that entry will still probably have started development under Activision uh, Blizzard solely, but will at least, I assume, will be sort of half, probably at least 50% of the development cycle would be under the, the Microsoft uh owned Activision Blizzard as well. So anyways, 
Um, I digress. I'm talking a lot about dev cycles and things like that. It's going to be very interesting to see the sort of state and progression of the Call of Duty games and the the level of quality um, that we see and sort of listening to the community and changes that are made. So there you go. Now, let's get back into the article because that was a lot of boring talk. Let's talk turnover or reconstruction. Considering the company could throw down enough money to purchase Activision Blizzard, Microsoft is obviously good at raking in profits through its acquisitions. Unfortunately for these esports leagues, that may mean massive changes to ensure Microsoft is getting those dollars back. While an influx of money may solve short-term problems, Microsoft will likely have no qualms about trimming the fat, especially when it fully takes over in 2023. Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer has already said the merger is focused on the metaverse and the potential of mobile devices. That focus could very well leave esports leagues at the bottom of the food chain. Now, uh, I don't really need to talk about that one too much. I don't think there's a ton to talk about there. Um, I think Microsoft would be kind of crazy to abandon the esports scene altogether. However, it wouldn't be the first time we've seen that kind of thing with Microsoft. We obviously saw a huge investment when Microsoft uh, put out Mixer. Um, I forget what Mixer was prior to Microsoft sort of pushing for that streaming platform. Um, we saw that. We saw them put a ton of money into that. And then we very much saw it fall through and they backed out quickly. Um, just like the failed Zune, uh, you know, it may have been a good product. It may have been a great product but they weren't seeing the returns that they expected to or that they wanted to, and they jumped out, um, and that was that. I do hope that they take a look at these leagues and kind of figure out their own vision for them. Um, I don't know if the franchise uh, system is the best system, and of course that is what the, um, the Overwatch League and the Call of Duty League are both based on. Um, so hopefully Microsoft kind of takes, honestly takes Overwatch 2 and whatever future Call of Duty as sort of a... A, their own jumping point right and makes their own changes and kind of sets their own course and again hopefully using some of that experience from the hcs um as well as just microsoft as a whole hopefully they can kind of make some appropriate changes and uh i don't want to say course correct because it would probably be it's a different course right um i just hope they make it their own and can see some success back in the article possible collaborations Reconstruction isn't all bad news, however. As Microsoft acquires Activision Blizzard, it also picks up Major League Gaming, which Activision bought in 2016. This unites MLG and Esports Engine, which runs Halo Championship Series events. This throws the door wide open for large-scale FPS events that defined the early years of professional esports. They've then got a tweet here from Adam Apicella, Apicella who is Twitter profile says he is an Appalachian, Ohio Valley, born and raised co-founder of Esports Engine. There you go. Uh, so he tweeted, My dream of a massive FPS event has inched one step closer. Rent every hall at Anaheim Convention Center. Massive open bracket and stages for Halo, Gears, Call of Duty, Overwatch. Grand finals for each in the attached arena on Sunday. Now that, that is pretty dope. Um, the article continues there. Esports Engine co-founder Adam Apicella is already dreaming of a massive open bracket event that brings together classic FPS titles. Others are calling for the return of the MLG Pro Circuit. Microsoft could very well loosen the third-party tournament chokehold Activision Blizzard has held on its titles and give organizers more options to make their esports accessible. So again, they're talking a lot, uh, talk, talking a lot more about exactly what we've been talking about this whole time. Um, just the potential for Microsoft to really kind of take the reins, make these leagues their own, um, and, and just reset, you know? Um, I do think it's it's not often when it comes to games that you see sort of a, 
a reset point like this, especially in the world of live service games and ongoing games uh, like Apex and and Fortnite and things like that, it's it can be difficult for them to sort of reinvent themselves. But at the same time, I mean, we've seen Fortnite do it a number of times. Um, I've heard that the latest season of Fortnite, I've never really gotten into Fortnite, but I've heard the latest season of Fortnite has really kind of reinvigorated things with with new mechanics um, and, and new weapons and, and things like that. Um, Apex obviously has been a stellar example of how to run a live service competitive multiplayer shooter. Um, and then, of course, uh, everything that Microsoft is doing with Halo, obviously. So... In this day and age, it's not often that these games and these leagues would sort of get the reset that it feels like uh, it feels like this acquisition could be. Of course, with a new iteration in the game, that is a good opportunity for that. And obviously, we know we have Overwatch 2 coming in again. As I mentioned before, Call of Duty is typically a yearly or an annual franchise. So there is some opportunity there to really build off of what's happening. Um and, and the timing, honestly, could line up pretty nicely. Um, I do think, obviously, Overwatch 2 in particular is, you know, at least we have to assume, is relatively far in development. I don't think Microsoft will have too big of an impact on what's going on there. Um, for all intents and purposes, it also sounds like Jeff Kaplan was, to an extent, doing a lot of shielding when it comes to the Overwatch team um from a lot of the corporate bs and things like that that was happening because of activision blizzard and everything like that um obviously jeff kaplan hasn't been there for a little while now but it seems like kind of like the overwatch team has been you know on a good path um albeit it's been slow and everything like that but hopefully hopefully some of this changes for the better and hopefully things improve now obviously i didn't even talk at all really about the um ongoing lawsuits with activision blizzard in the state of California, the frat boy culture, the um, discrimination and uh, gender disparity and all of that stuff that's going on there. Obviously, in the much larger and much broader uh, terms, we are all hoping that Microsoft's acquisition here has a huge impact on that. And I ultimately think that this is probably the best case scenario we could have hoped for, um, even if someone like Bobby Kotick is going to get his golden parachute when when he inevitably comes to an end. But I think this is, in all honesty, probably the best case we could have ever hoped for. You know, the, Bobby Kotick was always going to be rich. There's no way they were going to take all his money away from him. Um, and and this does feel like kind of a, like I say, golden parachute for him. But at least it will get him out of the picture. Um, and hopefully Microsoft will be able to impose some big, significant change and really change the culture and the feel of Activision Blizzard. Now... That's all I'm going to say on that because that's obviously much broader than this. And uh, of course, we already talked a bunch about the Overwatch League, Overwatch itself, Overwatch 2, and even a little bit about the Call of Duty League. So with all of that said, I think it's time that we now move on. We're going to go over to Liz Richardson's OWL 2021 offseason trade track. 2021? Oh my god, it's the 2022 offseason trade tracker. Have I been saying 2020? Oh right, the year just changed. I, I just realized I'm updating my doc here. I was just having a, a crisis where I was like, oh my God, have I been saying 2021 this whole, like for the past year of recording this podcast and it's been wrong? I realize now, of course, it's now 2022. So anyways, let's hop on over there. I'm not as young as I used to be. Okay, so once again, just to be clear, this is the Overwatch League 2022 offseason trade tracker posted by Liz Richardson, which of course she updates throughout the offseason 
between seasons of the Overwatch League. Uh, so we have a nice, easy place to keep track of everything that's going on. Now, of course, she occasionally misses, misses stuff. We can't blame her for that. She's only human. Uh, so if there's anything I miss, I apologize. I do try to catch it on other sites and things like that. Um, or it may just be she hasn't had a chance to update it yet. But I digress. Last time we left off around, I believe, January 9th, where we talked about the uh, Chengdu Hunters with Jimmy and Taro Cookie leaving to join the team's academy roster, Team Chaser. We've got a few updates on a few little things here. Um, so let's get on in there. Uh, one of these in particular, we will talk about uh, just a touch. Oh, no, I believe we talked about last episode, so never mind, scratch that. Uh, this probably won't take too long. Let's get in there. First things first, uh, we're going to start on January 11th with the Houston Outlaws general manager, Cool Matt, retiring. Now, I don't actually have an article about this one, uh, but obviously this is a bit of a bit of an interesting one just because Cool Matt, I believe, was around the scene for quite a while, um, especially with the Houston Outlaws organization. So, um, And this past season, I think, was his first season as general manager. So, uh, you know, a big name to see stepping away, and I think everyone was pretty happy when he kind of took the reins of the Houston Outlaws. But, of course, Houston... Uh, Definitely seeing quite a bit of change and uh, quite a bit of um, sort of overhaul uh, coming in their upcoming season here. I believe the only player, oh, they kept a couple players from the past season, um, but right now they are still looking to fill that main support role. So let's move on. January 12th, former Owl player Bishu is brought on to the Houston Outlaws in a management role. So we're going to stick with uh, DottieSports.com here and read an article by Liz Richardson on January 12th, which reads, Houston Outlaws add former player Bishu in management role. As the Overwatch League offseason kicked off, the Houston Outlaws jumped directly into the fray and made some big roster changes, but it took a few months for the organization to sort out its staff lineup ahead of the 2022 season. The team has added former Overwatch League player Bishu in a management position, Houston announced today. His official title is Manager of Player Operations and Content, which means he'll have a close relationship with the team's players and content creators during the 2022 season. This addition comes after Matt Coolmatt Iorio, the Outlaws' previous general manager and another former Overwatch League player, parted ways with the team on January 11th. For longtime fans of the league, Bishu is likely a familiar face. He played off-tank for the Los Angeles Gladiators during the inaugural season and later moved to the Guangzhou Charge before returning to the Gladiators in 2022. Nope, 2020, sorry. After Bishu was let go by the Gladiators following the 2020 season, he expressed a desire to return in a coaching or management role. Notably, Bishu is fluent in both English and Korean, which makes him invaluable in managing Houston's multilingual roster. The Outlaws remained Western DPS, oh, sorry, retained Western DPS Dante, but has otherwise built a South Korean roster heading into the next season. Houston completely completed a monetary trade with the Atlanta Reign for 2021 Rookie of the Year Pelican in October and quickly followed that up by acquiring his former teammate Iris, Flex Support Iris. Former Toronto Defiant Flex Support Lastro wound rounded, oh my gosh, sorry, rounded out the team alongside the Outlaws' other 2021 holdover off-tank Piggy. Part-time player, part-time coach Jake Lyon has yet to announce his plans for 2022. So there you have it. That's actually kind of a nice little summary recap of the Houston Outlaws and every move they've made this past season. Um, so right now they have Piggy on tank. Uh, in a sec here, we'll talk about somebody else they have on Hitscan DPS. Over on Flex DPS, they have Dante and Pelican. They have no one on main support right now, and they have Iris and Lastro on Flex support. So they're currently sitting with six players, as I mentioned. I'll, uh, I'll talk about one of those in a minute here. Um, 
which does put them at the league required sort of minimum to have a team, I guess. Uh, but ultimately, they're missing that main support role still, um, just like a few other teams are, but we'll see what happens there. Moving on to January 19th, the NYXL adds Kuki as head coach, Undyne as assistant coach, Nougat or Nugget, I'm not sure, as general manager, and Unknown as player manager. So this came through a tweet by the NYXL. They said their diligence and brilliance behind the scenes is sure to shine through on the big stage. Introducing our coaching staff for the 2022 season. Head coach, Kuki, assistant coach, general manager, player manager. And they've got a nice little graphic of them there that looks uh, an awful like an awful lot like the freaking Marvel logos, which is kind of funny. Um, anyways, exciting stuff there. Um, I'm excited to see what Coach Kuki can do, given uh, being a fan of what he was able to do. I believe he was with Florida Mayhem this past season, was he not? Yes, I just looked it up, and I am correct. He was coaching the Florida Mayhem. So obviously, uh, I'm a Florida Mayhem fan. So I, I, I mean, despite the season Florida Mayhem had this past season, um, I didn't really truly have anything against any of the team. Um, it was hard to say why they were as bad as they were. But I digress, looking forward to a better season with them this next year. And honestly, I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing what the New York Excelsior can do this next year. Um, again, seeing Yaki come from the Florida Mayhem over to the New York Excelsior. Moving on from there, we're going to go to January 21st, where the Guangzhou Charge fly, sign Flex Support Molly. So let's jump on over to .esports.com, January 21st, Sage Dutwin writes, Guangzhou Charge welcomes former Shanghai Dragons flex support Molly. Guangzhou Charge has bolstered its lineup ahead of the 2022 Overwatch League season by acquiring former Shanghai Dragons support Molly. Molly first joined the Overwatch League back in 2020 when the Chengdu Hunters picked him up from LG Huya. It is ahead of the season. That's interesting. A uh, little bit of a typo there. Following the 2020 season, he was then acquired by the Shanghai Dragons. While he received limited playtime on the Dragons, he was still able to play a part in the team's eventual championship run in 2021, when the Dragons swept the Atlanta Reign in the finals. As for Guangzhou, its junior year campaign in the Overwatch League was unsuccessful. While the veteran, mixed veteran and rookie lineup showed pr promise, the team ended up, oh my goodness, ended the season 5-11, just ahead of the Los Angeles Valiant, who were winless in 2021. The past season also marked the first time the Guangzhou Charge failed to make the Overwatch League playoffs in organization history, finishing 17th in the 2021 regular season. As a result, the Charge has begun its roster rebuild, with new support Molly who will join longtime member Eileen as the second Chinese player on the predominantly Korean team. After winning the Overwatch League in 2021, Molly will look to reclaim the title in 2022 and try to provide his mechanical talents to the Guangzhou Charge in an increased role for the upcoming season. The fifth season of the Overwatch League will begin sometime in April, where 20 teams will be divided into two 10-team divisions with hopes of qualifying for playoffs. That's... I'm a little bit confused what is up with that, because I don't believe that is correct. Uh, huh. Interesting. I'm just I'm just not gonna not gonna comment on that because, like, I'm pretty sure we know it's gonna be seven, uh, thirteen and seven. Anyways, let's talk about Molly. Um, a little bit interesting there. Uh, again, given the predominantly as as they mentioned, their predominantly South Korean roster. Um, interesting that they're now bringing in another Chinese player. Uh, but certainly not a bad thing to see. Um, you know, I'm all for the uh, the mixing of rosters and everything like that. Not that I have anything against a you know whatever solely sole nationality roster um or anything like that i just like to see the sort of cross-pollination um so excited to see that 
Guangzhou Charge not looking like they have a bad lineup right now. It looks like they've got seven players total. They've got Rio and Krong on tank. They've got Develop on Hitscan. They've got uh, Eileen and Choi Sewan on Flex DPS. They've got Unique on Main Support and Molly on Flex Support. So this does look to probably be their entire roster. They've got a total of seven. Let me just count that. Two, four, six, seven. That's correct. Um, with the one rookie being Unique. So pretty interesting here i know a lot of people really like krong in past seasons um eileen has been around the scene for a long while now as has molly obviously um so excited to see what the guangzhou charge can bring to the table finally our last uh report here also on january 21st is the houston outlaws adding hitscan merit so again, we're going to lead from read from Liz Richardson on January 21st. Merritt joins the Houston Outlaws. As soon as the Overwatch League offseason kicked off, the Houston Outlaws, oh, oh, jumped into gear, building on the foundations of a relatively successful 2021 season. Some spots have remained open, however, and now the team is filling in the gaps. O2 Blast Hitscan Merritt will be joining the Overwatch League for the 2022 season the team announced today. Merritt has a history in the Overwatch Contenders Korea scene play, uh, spanning several years. He's been a part of teams like Kongdu Pantera, LG Huya, and Runaway. In 2021, he joined O2 Blast and was a part of the team's championship win over Talon Esports during the second season of Contenders Korea last year. Houston held on to longtime DPS Dante Cruz for 2022 and added 2021 Rookie of the Year Pelican in the flex position, but was still lacking a dedicated hitscan player. With Merritt's skill on heroes like Cassidy and Widowmaker, the team's damage lineup should be complete. The Outlaws filled out the flex support line with former Atlanta Reign star Iris and Lastro, formerly of the Toronto Defiant. The team is still lacking dedicated main support, but may opt not to. F wow, may not opt to fill the spot considering Overwatch 2's focus on fast-paced damage. Piggy, Houston's only other holdover from its 2021 roster, is thus far holding down the tank line on his own. So, I, I mean, a little bit of duplication there from uh, the previous article about Houston that I read. But that does kind of outline what we're looking at with Houston right now. Um, again, I would honestly be surprised if any team leaves that main support role open. Looking at it right now, the only teams that don't have a main support are San Francisco Shock, Philadelphia Fusion, New York Excelsior, Los Angeles Valiant, and the Houston Outlaws. Now, if we look at things a little more holistically... Um, I mean, the Los Angeles Valiant are also missing Flex DPS, uh, as are the London Spitfire, uh, which aren't missing main support, but still. And other than that, I, like, I kind of feel like we can cross those two off the list uh, just because they're missing other roles as well. But other than that, I mean, if you look at that strategy-wise, you've got the Houston Outlaws missing main support, you've got the Philadelphia Fusion, and the San Francisco Shock. The only team that I could truly see using using that as a strategy, just not filling the main support role, is the San Francisco Shock, given the talent it seems like they have um, with Violet and Finn on flex support. Uh, Violet, you know, traditionally very strong flex support, obviously one of the best, if not the best. And I don't know much about Finn, but I'm pretty sure Finn comes over uh, with uh, Sam on the flex DPS role and Kilo on the hitscan DPS. So potentially just a ton of... Uh, a ton of cross-pollination from their previous game, uh, previous league play, contenders league play, and everything like that. I could see San Francisco running with no main support, but the other side of it, and this is something that uh, Chris over on Ready Set Pwn last week uh, tipped me off to the idea of, I'm waiting to see if San Francisco is going to announce Moth returning. Um, could very much be a sort of 
Return of the King kind of thing in a lot of ways, given given how well-liked Moth is and what a leader Moth is, even if he didn't get much playtime last season on the LA Gladiators. Now, who knows if that will happen? We'll see. Uh, but if, if it does happen, you heard it here first. Anyways, that's all I really have to say about that, um, and that's what we see on uh, on the Overwatch League uh, 2022 offseason trade tracker. So, with that, I think that's actually going to take us to the end of the show. We stretch things out to almost an hour here. Obviously, a lot of talk about the Activision Blizzard deal and everything like that. But let's head on over to the outro. I'm not even close to done. <laughs> All right. So thank you very much for listening to episode 64 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. Once again, if you're new around here or if you're a returning listener, I am your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. Please follow me over on Twitter at Sir Dr. JM. Reach out to me over there. DM me, tweet at me, whatever you want to do. Give me topics, questions, concerns. If you want me to talk about things other than the Overwatch League and Overwatch on the show, you want to talk about games in general, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, I, I love games. I play a lot of games. I'm currently playing through Ghost of Tsushima on my PlayStation 5. So, of course, it is the updated PlayStation 5 version with the nice 60 frames per second um, and 4K resolution, although I'm not playing on a 4K TV, but I digress. Um, tweet at me, DM me, whatever. Questions, comments, concerns, what, whatever you want me to bring to the show. Uh, topics, anything like that. And hopefully I'll be able to talk somewhat intelligently on that. Why not give me a follow over there as well while you're at it? Um, because I really want to build that following. Now then. You can, of course, find this podcast over on podcast services everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, share it, all that jazz. And, of course, if you leave us a review, I will read it out on the next episode. And, of course, as I mentioned at the top of the show, if you can't get enough of this sultry voice in your ears, check out Ready, Set, Pwn, your premier source for Vancouver, for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant related, where you can hear Chris, myself, and Omni talk about everything going on in the Overwatch League, but specifically focused on Canadian Overwatch, of course. Thank you again for listening to episode 64. And, of course, we're back in the groove of things. We're back in, back in the schedule. So this will be the final episode for January of 2022. Your next episode will be coming on February 8th, of course, that uh, final week of the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the Lunar New Year 2022 event. Hopefully we'll have some fun stuff to talk about by then. But if not, stay safe, stay warm, and, uh, I don't know, keep playing Overwatch. Thank you, my friend.